Donali al cross, Donali, Giroud, gol! Meraviglioso, meraviglioso, la spaccata di Olivier, Oli, 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 Oli! Hello and welcome back to Serie A Spotlight, this is season 2 episode 13 and we're your hosts Matt and Jake here to tell you guys all you need to know about match day 13 in Serie A. What an amazing round of football, bro. Upsets all around, big games, you know, derbies, um, epic moments, yeah. historical moments. We saw a goal from fucking Daniel Maldini. We had Literally. The, against Milan, we had the um, Olimpico derby, the, the Roman derby. We had the derby d'Italia. It's crazy. like Crazy week, man. Crazy week. And we were here, sat on our asses. Yes, watching sir. everything. Well, I was in Amsterdam, but I still oh, yeah. think I <laughs> You were in Amsterdam. <laughs> yes, sir. Our goal of the week goes to the prolific Olivier Giroud for his 89th minute winner against Spezia. What a goal, bro. I think everything taken into account about that goal must make it the goal of the season thus far. The drama, it being, you know, so late on in the game for Milan to get the full three points. The way he hung in the air to execute a perfect bicycle kick against an on-form Dragovski. What a goal. I was screaming, personally. It was amazing, bro, honestly. Um, I'm happy my girlfriend wasn't watching. <laughs> because honestly, I don't think she'd look at me the same way, man. Never have I seen someone look so good doing what he does at work. Like, oh, you know? man, 100%. And also, I had a very similar reaction to Tonali's cancelled goal just moments before that as well. I was yeah. screaming my ass off. But that's enough about that game. Let's jump onto Serie Spotlight Slips. What the fuck happened here, bro? I mean, it, it on paper <laughs> couldn't have been a safer bet this no, season. You know, it was it was always going to be risky because form doesn't matter in derbies. It's the age-old cliche, and we walked straight into it. Yeah, um, it was a tight affair from the get-go. You know, at first watching the first half, I thought Inter would get the job done eventually, but. What a performance by Juventus, and we'll get into that later on. But yes, another loss for Serie A spotlight slips at this rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, bankruptcy is on Bank- the cards. <laughs> we're at 15 euro currently. Yeah. 15 euro, yeah. So, so we're pretty much down 25 at the moment. Which and we is... still need to place a midweek bet now, we see. Yeah, so football's going on right now. Um, obviously, it's quite a tight schedule, so we'll pair the next two match days together. Um, yeah. But yeah. We'll just do a, like, you know, pre-World Cup roundup or something. Exactly. Exactly. Remember to follow us, guys. If you have no idea what we're talking about, about this Serie Spotlight Slip thing, you can follow us on Instagram, TikTok, or Twitter, where we post all our content. Um, Yeah, you can stay up to date with us there. You can even send us your feedback and even a voice note to be featured on the podcast with a hot take or an opinion. You know, if you follow one of these obscure teams, you know, we're very happy to take your opinions. These Bolognias, these Empolis, these uh, Salernitanas, you know, just 100%. And even your hot takes, guys. I mean, we literally on the last episode, we literally had a. We had one of our great followers, one of our day one supporters, educating us on how to pronounce certain footballer names. This is all great content for us. We love connecting with people. So send over whatever it is you have to say, be it to educate us, learn with us, or even crack a joke. Maybe a, a few jokes here and there. And we'll be sure to feature you, man. So let's jump into the um, full match day, exactly what happened. So first we'll be covering Atalanta 1, Napoli 2 in a first versus second encounter. Um, the Derby della Capitale, Roma nil, Lazio 1, a shock over there. Derby d'Italia, Juventus 2, Inter nil, Milan left it late to beat Spezia. 
to one Udinese one, let's say one Udinese maybe falling off a little bit right now. Salernitana two, Cremonese two in what was a fantastic display by both sides and what a match that was. Bologna two, Torino one, Motta starting to work his magic here. Sampdoria nil, Fiorentina two, Fiorentina finding a little bit of consistency here. Empoli one, Sassuolo two, sorry, Empoli one, Sassuolo nil, perhaps another shock. And Monza two, Verona nil. Super sexy fun time, my brother. Let's jump straight into it with Atalanta 1, Napoli 2. In the last seven matches, bro, between Atalanta and Napoli in Serie A before this game, Atalanta earned double the number of wins than Napoli, 4 is to 2. So Atalanta have actually been better than Napoli in direct encounters in recent history. Jesus, okay. Um, However, though, Napoli had won the previous encounter 3-1. So that was the the most recent score. That makes sense because Atalanta were (laughs) dog shit last year. Yeah. For the first time in their history, Atalanta have found the back of the net in nine games in a row against Napoli. So they get kind of something out of this game, at least. Yeah. Um, Now here's a stat for Napoli as well. Nine league wins in a row for Spalletti's Napoli. Yeah. Their record is Sarri's 10 wins in a row. Oh my God, here we go. They play Empoli next, followed by Udinese. Ah. We will know if they've beaten the record by the end of the week, brother. Yeah, by, by the end of this episode, we're in the, the 27th episode, minute we know right if now. They, if they equal it. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This was also Lozano's 100th Serie A appearance. Well done, Chucky. Atalanta lined up in a 3 5 2 formation with Musso and Goal, a back three of Scalvini, Demiral, and Toloi, with Mele out on the left, Hatteber on the right, and a double pivot of Ederson and Coop Miners with Pasalic in front of them. And that striking duo of Lukman and Hoyland. While Napoli played the usual 4-3-3 formation with Meret in goal, Lozano on the right and Oliveira on the left. Lorenzo, Lorenzo, Di Lorenzo. Oh, Di Lorenzo. Whoops, <laughs> that's my bad. That's my dyslexia kicking in hard and aggressively. <laughs> Min Jacob and Juan Jesus at the back with Anguissa, Lobotka and Zielinski as the midfield trio. With Chucky Lozano on the right, this time that's him. Um, Elmas on the left, replacing Varatskelia and Ozyman up front. The ever-dangerous Ozyman. <clears throat> Any reactions to the lineups, bro? Um, I mean, I was looking at Atalanta's and the lack of Muriel. Well, the lack of Muriel really, not really Duvan, because he's been out for so long at this point, I didn't even realize. But um, starting, having to start Hoyland against Napoli when he hasn't really hit the ground running so much was a bit of an L for Atalanta, but we know how strong they are everywhere else, so um, not really much to add over there. Whilst Napoli in full flow, just minus Gvara, we know that although he's one of their star players, they're much more than just Gvara. So two strong teams facing each other. Yes, bro, you're absolutely right. In fact, um, what you said rings true, as in the third minute, Lukman put it on a plate for Hoyland, who managed to somehow miss a fantastic opportunity okay. right in front of Meret. Meret managed to, to save it with his feet. There you go. Um, yeah, so that was a big miss for him to to kind of set the tone for the rest of his game. You know, I mean, he, Hoyland, we'll discuss him later on, but he's he's a decent player. Uh, he's just very young right now, but he looks really promising. You mm, know, yeah. this big miss shouldn't like judge his yeah. capabilities as I a mean, player. In a year or so, we'll probably be calling him a coup. Yeah. A Gasperini coupe, so he just needs some time. Perfect. Um, in the 19th minute, that is when the first goal came. There was chaos in Napoli's box from a corner that almost saw Atalanta score. 
Um, VAR spotted a handball by Victor Ozyman, even though the Nigerian blatantly denied it. <laughs> um, it was the type of penalty by Adamola Lukman that two keepers would not have saved yeah, no. off the crossbar and into the top corner, bro. What a fucking cor- penalty. Yeah. I was yeah. going to say, what a corner. Imagine <laughs> a corner of the crossbar and into the top corner. <laughs> and your rigorista, yeah. it seems, for Atalanta. Yeah, definitely. Um, at least someone dependable when Muriel is in there. Yeah. And the 23rd minute, there was a clever corner routine by Napoli. Zielinski floated it into the far post and Ozyman headed it in. Um, he spent a while trying to pick the ball up after his goal. He ended up chasing it around for a while. Um, <laughs> it, it came to Meret, who even pushed it behind him. You know, <laughs> Ozyman's just squirming around trying to grab the ball. It was also the mask derby, bro, this game. It was Meret against Ozyman. Uh, it's true, it's true, it's true. Fucking mask off. Yeah, mask off, literally. That would have been the appropriate <laughs> oh my episode. God. We, we wasted it on the last we one. We did. Fuck we'll it. have a good one for this one, though. In the, yes, we do. In the 30, I don't know why we're not telling hey, them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's not a surprise. They know, like, they're You'll listening. find out at the end. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid we are. Il ruolo dell'ex is, exactly. a, is a, an Italian expression. Um, the rule of the ex or the law of the yeah. ex, rather. Um, basically, ex-players always score against their ex-teams. Exactly. And it, it rings true, um, particularly yeah. when Milan are involved. Exactly. But anyway, in the 35th minute, Ozyman charged like a bull down the right-hand side to get a ball played by Anguissa. He had to outmuscle Demiral, who's one of the most aggressive defenders yeah. in the league. He managed to force the ball around him, dropping Demiral to his ass, quite frankly. <laughs> he squared the ball to Elmas, who took a touch to position himself even better than the position he had received the ball in. And he spanked it into the back of the net. He celebrated as bottles were being thrown at him by the Atalanta <laughs> faithful. Um, what a scene, what a sight. Bro, Ozyman is unplayable, but we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, he's also now the, the top scorer this season yeah. after he scored and, and Arnautovic didn't. So, yeah, he's the lone top scorer. Exactly. In the 54th minute, Mele intercepted a long ball well and drove into the box. He cut inside round Mindrake him really well, bro. He absolutely removed him. Um, he shot towards Meret, uh, of course, though the shot was wayward, similarly to Hatteber, Mele's shooting isn't the most yeah. um, efficient. Mm. Um, yeah, so he shot it towards Meret, who saved it into the path of Lukman, who smashed it instinctively into the crossbar, hitting Di Lorenzo's face on the way. And this is the type of chaos that Atalanta, Atalanta were creating against Napoli, bro. Mm. Honestly, like a shot into the keeper, then a rebound off the face of Di Lorenzo into the crossbar. It's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> man. Yeah, um, you know, I'm pretty sure right now most followers of Italian football are rooting for Napoli to lose Exactly. A few points I mean, to drop a few points because they're really running away with that. The fucking hell. Unless you're a Napoli fan, I mean, <laughs> yeah. you're going to want them to drop some points at some point. The chances for Atalanta beyond this point became even more scarce. And in the 77th minute, the last good chance of the game came through Simeone, but he failed to hit the target after having just come on. Um, tensions were rising in the 91st minute. Duvan Zapata and Joaquim Meili got a yellow card each for chatting shit. And in the <laughs> 92nd minute, Spalletti brought on the youngsters Gaetano and Zerbin just to have, you know, a little bit of a run around at the end of the game. There. Yeah, run down the clock a little bit as well. Not a very strategic yeah. one. <laughs> 
So bro, Atalanta came out hungry this game, they were quick with the counter, they played long balls, they caused many problems for Napoli. But Napoli's reaction post-penalty was incredible, what did you make of mm. this game? I mean, pretty much mirroring what you said, bro. I think Atalanta, when they came out and we saw them get that goal through Ademola Lukman, I was like, okay, we've got a spectacle on our hands here. Atalanta can walk away with something. Um, maybe even a victory. Well, I didn't really think a victory, but I said, yeah, Atalanta are capable of getting a draw yeah. over here. Um, Atalanta, we saw glimpses of the old Atalanta, an Atalanta mm. that is hungry for goals, an Atalanta that wants to attack, particularly since they went down basically in the in the 35th minute, they spent the rest of the game attacking. They posed massive threats on Napoli, but I mean, that goes to show what a good side Napoli are. They were capable <coughs> of absorbing that pressure, not conceding again and managing to get away with the full three points. Yes, sir. Um, Duvan Zapata did come on this game, bro. I do think they really need this man to reach form again, to hit his form again. Um, I think he might be good alongside Lukman. You know, you've got the classic, uh, you know, big guy, small guy. You exactly. Know, the, the finisher and the guy who sets it up. Exactly. Is there someone to hold up play as well? Someone for Musa to aim to when he's pinging <clears throat> balls from his own box? Literally. It just gives the team uh, an extra dynamic. I mean... Lukman plus Zapata pretty much equals Aussie men. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, quite frankly, you're right. Um, Atalanta's depth is not bad beyond the striking department right now. Um, they've got, <coughs> sorry, excuse me, Boga and Malinowski, for example, who came off the bench this game. Oh my God. <coughs> Are you okay, man? <coughs> sorry, I think I'm developing asthma. <laughs> Living in Malta, man, I'm telling you. Anyway, uh, yeah, so they have decent options of the bench in the offensive department. Just literally that out-and-out out strikers, what they're missing right now, they need Duvan to find his form. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When it comes to Napoli, brother, um, obviously the Victor Oziman praise goes without mention. No, I mean, he's been yeah. incredible this season. I think so far he's been the most impressive striker in the league. What do you think? No, by a, by a landslide, man. There isn't another striker that compares to, to Ozyman this season. I mean, you could say Arnautovic has been good because he's racked up six or seven goals. I've, I've lost count. Um, but obviously those came at the very, very beginning of the season and he didn't keep it consistent. I think when you take into account the games that Ozyman was out for he's by by far the most prolific goal scorer in the league and the manner in which he does it he doesn't exactly always get the ball on a silver platter but re receiving the ball outside the area and charging into the box the way he does is spectacular yeah. absolutely no one is on his level this season um we'll see when when Vlaovic and and Immobile are back what they can do but so far it's been the Ozyman show Yes, bro. This guy does not enter a football pitch. This guy goes to war. Literally, man. He goes literally. to war. He puts his fucking helmet on and he goes to war, literally. He's an animal. What I noticed about Napoli is in Dombele growing into his role, bro. He had a lovely moment where he was just dribbling players to keep possession, just player after player after player. He reminded me of that spell of Bakayoko under Gattuso. Exactly. Remember he was actually solid. Yeah. Um, his he looked, first spell, yeah. Exactly. He looked fucking good, man. It has mm -hmm. to be said. Mm -hmm. Um... Now, this is a point I want to mention about Napoli, bro. Elmas scores when playing instead of Gvaratskelia. Amazing. Juan Jesus scores when playing instead of Rahmani. Raspadori and Simeone score when they're playing instead of Oziman. Fantastic point. This is the kind of squad that wins the league, no? 100%. 100%. I mean, we haven't really seen this from 
many teams in the past in Serie A. The capability of playing, like we've seen it with Atalanta, would always say they have the plug and play system where everyone's capable of putting in a shift. But to the level that Napoli players do it so tangibly, getting goals and, and you know we've seen Juan Jesus for example, who mm-hmm. on paper isn't a fantastic defender, having the performances of his life. We've seen Simeone, who is a bit of a meme up front, <laughs> scoring goals. He, he scored four in the Champions League now. You know what I mean? Yeah. Raspadori, we're like, ah, he'll need time to settle for sure at Napoli. No, he doesn't. No one, no one for Napoli out of the new arrivals have needed any time to settle. It's at true, all. man. At all. And even my, all the new boys, I think, Bar and Dombella have scored. Yeah, exactly, Literally. exactly. And I think, bro, a large part of that obviously has to do with the culture of the team. It has a lot to do with Spalletti as well and, and how capable he is of getting great performances out of his out of his players. I think a large part of this is Lobotka as well because he literally orchestrates the entire play yes. and, and he involves everyone in the game. In fact, they've done it without Ozyman. They've done it without Gvaratskelia. The question is, can they do it without Lobotka? Because that man is the glue. He, he is. is the underrated metronome of that team. He keeps exactly. things ticking. Exactly. I'll be interested. I obviously don't wish him harm in the slightest, but I'll be interested to see how they perform when or if Lobotka gets injured or suspended. Yes, sir. No. We're always trying to find something to weaken Napoli. Before we were saying how they haven't played the top sides yet. They're playing top yeah. sides now and they're beating top sides. We said without Ozyman, without Guevara, without him, without him. Now we're saying Lobotka. Fact of the matter is Napoli seem unbeatable at the moment. Yes. No? That is the case, brother. Currently, Napoli, bro, are first with 35 points, mm-hmm. while Atalanta are fourth with 27 points. The next game we're going to be covering is the Derby della Capitale, one of the fiercest rivalries in world football. It's up there with Real Madrid-Barcelona, it's up there with Boca Juniors against River Plate, it's up there with some of the best. This was the 179th official encounter of the Derby della Capitale. So far, Lazio have 49 wins out of those, Roma have 67 and there are 63 draws. This was not just a local showdown for Pride, but also a head-to-head encounter for third place. Jose Mourinho had the bragging rights midweek as his team got through to the Europa League playoffs, whereas Maurizio Sarri's side dropped into the Conference League, which was quite a meme running through because, you know, Lotito was saying that, that the Conference League is horse shit. It's and a only league for losers. A league it? for losers. A competition for losers, rather. There you go, loser. <laughs> so, Paolo De Bala, Spinazzola, Wijnaldum and Darbo were out injured for the Giallo Rossi, but the Bianco Celesti then had their two best players out with Immobile injured and, and Milikovic Savic obviously suspended um, in the last match day. Um, so Roma started with their 3-4-1 formation, Patricio on goal with a backline of Ibanez, Smalling and Mancini, Zalewski on the left and Karsdorp on the right, Cristante and Camara in the midfield, and Abraham flanked by Pellegrini and Zaniolo. For Lazio, it was their 4-3-3 formation with Provedel in goal, Lazzari, Ciazale, Romagnoli and Marsic at the back. Midfield three of Vecino, Cataldi and Alberto and the front three of Pedro, Anderson in the false nine and Zaccagni out on the left. So Roma came out and they were doing a decent job trying to control the game in more in your fashion. However, then in the 29th minute, Ibanez hung on the, onto the ball for way too long in his own area and he was dispossessed by Pedro. The ball fell to Philippe Anderson and he slotted past Patricio. 
Chiro is not required to score a goal like that. It was as easy as it gets for him. In the 32nd minute, Zaniolo's deflected strike bounced off of the woodwork as Roma were attacking in numbers. It was very, well, you could say unlucky, but then again, it did take a wicked deflection and head goalward, so I wouldn't really call it unlucky over there. Um, Roma came out in the second half carrying the same momentum that they did in the first half. However, in the 52nd minute, Pellegrini did go out injured and after that they did look significantly weaker with Volpato and the team. No disrespect to Volpato, yeah. <coughs> but obviously Roma are quite reliant on, on their captain Pellegrini as most teams would be. Um, a fun fact actually about Volpato is that in the last episode I mentioned that he is Australian-Italian mm-hmm. and he can choose to play for either teams. So he has the opportunity to play in the World Cup for Australia and Italy aren't in the World Cup, but he's decided to play the the long card and he's rejected Australia's offer and he's going to wait for four years time where he can hopefully start for Italy. So Whoa. respect to him, not an easy respect, decision to make yes. playing the long game. Um, the game went on. Lazio did well to keep their shape. They kind of... Roma were attacking in numbers, but they never really posed a massive threat. They were never really clean through on goal. Provedel wasn't required much um, towards the end of the game. And then there was a brawl that broke out on the touchline after Rui Patricio went to get the ball for a throw. And Andrade on the Lazio bench tried to slow him down. Um, after that, then there was... well. Radu and Patricio obviously got a yellow card each and then there was eight minutes of added time but not even that was enough for Roma to get back into the game what are your takes on the season's first edition of the Derby della Capitale bro so two squads who are not at their best right now when it comes to personnel Mm -hmm. as you mentioned um, both sides missing a few important players um, I was extremely impressed by Lazio's maturity coming into this because 100%. I did think they were SMS and the Mobile reliant and I couldn't see them getting three points over here without them. Yep. That being said, we could label this game as Roger the Reckless because um, Roger Ibanez straight up gave Lazio the game over here. 100%. I mean, that changed things. Lazio probably came into this game saying, look, a draw opting for a draw is probably the mature and realistic thing to do but instantly off the get-go after just 30 minutes they found themselves winning and they didn't even know how they're like okay that was easy yeah now we just need to stop Roma from scoring and they haven't really had their shooting boots exactly. on this year so thanks to Ibanez it was made much easier for Lazio than it initially should have been. So a massive, course. massive detrimental mistake by the Spaniards. And man. it's his second one in the Derby della Capitale. Man, last year oh, was course, the last other one, Last year, no? Ibanez basically gave up a goal in a similar manner mm. um, against Roma. Yeah. Against well, Lazio, against sorry. Lazio. Yeah. I, I don't uh, think... One thing I wanted to mention, sorry to interrupt, ah, so... is <laughs> Lazio, bro. No, Roma, sorry. My God, bro, get it right. When... <laughs> Roma are better when they're not controlling the tempo. Mm, Roma mm. are better when they're countering, when When the other team sees more possession mm. on the ball. The fact that Lazio got that goal quite early on meant that they could let Roma have the ball for the vast majority of the game. Exactly. And Roma don't like doing that, man. You know, Roma don't thrive when they're on the front foot. And I think that gave Lazio um, a comfortable place to be, especially with uh, Chasale and Romagnoli playing as well as they did, and with Tammy Abraham and, quite frankly, Bellotti as well being as yeah. rough as they are. 
Yeah, and and that's pretty much what I was going to say now, that there's nothing really new to report on Roma. Once again, they looked lively, but it's not... They don't play... When they have the ball, they lack creativity. Um, and that rung through... Firstly, they missed Dybala, who is one of their most creative players. And mm-hmm. Pellegrini went out injured in the 52nd. Um, they lacked resources as well, such as Spinazzola down the left as well. Um, so that dampened their creativity, which, I mean, isn't really... They, they don't have much creativity, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Um, <clears throat> they don't have a sustainable way of attempting to get goals. It's a lot of Hail Mary runs by Zaniolo. Yeah. It's a lot of waste of energy in order to get half chances they never really put the ball on a plate for their strikers they never really get clear-cut chances it's a lot of like i said hail mary runs by zaniolo a lot of pinging the ball into tammy abraham hoping that he'll get the ball but romagnoli was a stone fucking wall for lazio in this game and it's just you know, it, I feel like most of their goals come through Mancini, Smalling, Banias, Cristante. From from set yeah, plays. Set pieces, it's it's what it. we were saying last yeah. year. Bro, you remember when we went to that bar in Slema to watch Roma win 1-0 <laughs> against... Who was it? I remember. Bet. No, not Betis. No. Was... I can't remember. Sport, sporting? No. no. Porto. Was it Porto? Or no, no am bro, I going crazy? certainly not. No, certainly I'm thinking not. Porto because it was Oliveira. Ah, no, Oliveira, it was Oliveira's debut, it was yes, January, it was January, it was Oliveira's <laughs> debut, and he scored a penalty, mm-hmm. I believe, um, but uh, but from then we were saying, it's it's ridiculous how these guys rely so much on set pieces to get goals, and mm-hmm. we thought it would be different this year, and everyone's saying, ah, Roma can even win the league, relax, mm. they've got a lot to work on, man, they have a long they project do. now with Mourinho, they have a lot to work on, and, and the, the fact that they lost such a big game because of one error that they made shows that significantly, man. Yes, sir. Another clean sheet for Lazio, bro. Um, they're on the up, of course, after an upset against Salernitana. They went back to winning, but it's good to see, um, especially with, of course, Milinkovic, Salvic and Immobile out. Exactly. Everyone thought they'd be useless, that they'd be crippled with these two men gone. Um, it's good to see that Immobile is already recovering. He was there on the bench for this game, supporting his teammates as well. It's it's great the level of leadership that man has and the experience and the fact that he has all of that and he's still in his prime makes me kind of jealous that they have a that they have a man like that. Um, Lazio had no problem. You want you want a man, bro? I, you want I, a man like that, brother? I need a man. <laughs> I need a man. Um, Lazio had no problem coping with all of this fucking Hail Mary bullshit that came with Roma going forward. They kept their shape well. Like I said, Romagnoli was fantastic. They only applied pressure where necessary. They were holding back a lot. And <laughs> to be honest, they only applied pressure where necessary. They applied pressure in the 30th minute on Roger Ibanez yeah. and, and they got the goal. <laughs> so, so there you go. Case, case in point. Not really much to add over here. Um, Lazio find themselves in third place now on 27 points. Of course, this was the fight for third place. While Strom have dropped down to sixth on 25 points. To be honest, just two points behind them. Very good. The next game we're going to be discussing is another derby. The Derby d'Italia. Juventus 2 Inter nil. The previous encounter was a 1-0 win last April for Inter and that was due to the Chalanoglu penalty, oh, yeah. the controversial Chalanoglu penalty. We watched that at Monelli. <coughs> yes, no? sir. Monelli. Shout out to the boys. 
<laughs> Considering all competitions since his debut as manager in April 2016, Inter Simon and Zaghi has beaten Juventus seven times in 19 meetings with Fuck two him. draws. He is the coach to have defeated the Bianconeri the most times in this period. So, funnily enough, Simon and Zaghi is the anti Juve. Yeah, I mean, he didn't really show that in this, Not in this match day, though. <laughs> Not at all. So, <laughs> Juventus um, lined up with a weird spaceship, man. They, they, <laughs> they played like a weird 3 5 1 1. That's what it seemed to be. Uh-huh. And 3 5 1 1. It looks kind of like one of those. Um, you're a Star Wars fan. What do you call them? Um, uh, the. Oh, come on, the Millennium Falcon. The, is it the, is no, it, no, the, 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 the that's that's round one. Those this are the ones like whoa, <laughs> <laughs> like those jet fighter exactly. things. Yeah, yeah, those whatever, it looks like a jet fighter. They had Chesney in goal, a back three of Alexandro Bremer and Danilo, only one center back, and the back three center Literally. back. Kostic out wide on the left, uh, Quadrado on the right, with the midfield three of Zinedine Rabio, Locatelli, <laughs> and Fagioli, with Miretti playing as a trequartista in the hole behind Milik. Inter lined up with their usual 3-5-2 formation with Onana between the sticks, Alcerbi Devry and Skriniar at the back, Dumfries on the right, DiMarco on the left with Mkhitaryan, Chalanoglu and Barella in the middle, Edin Zeko and Lautaro Martinez up front. Inter having almost a full team over here, it's one hell of a lineup that they have. And then you look at Juve's side that's so deflated, yet they still managed to get away with the full three points, man. Yes, bro, absolutely right. And what a manner in which they did it. So the game started off, okay, in the fifth minute, Lautaro skimmed his shot just wide. He had a very good opportunity there to hit the target and test the goalkeeper early on, did not manage there. 25th minute, Zerko had a bullet header but failed to hit the target. I believe it was from a corner. Mm. In the 45th minute, 41st minute, sorry, Barella put Dumfries on a plate, but the Dutchman managed to sky his opportunity wow. 1v1. That was so probably the best. Man. The best opportunity of the game. Yes, Inter came out strong, man, this game. In the 46th minute, Chalanoglu's dipping long-range effort after a corner forced Chesney into a great save as well. So those are four chances missed mm. in the first half by Inter. Uh, <coughs> Inter were piling the pressure on Juve early on. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in the typical way that they um, do it. You know, typically, you look at Inter, they, they attack without fear. Yeah. This game, they were very... Wary of, um, you know, the goal. Needing the three points. Of, of they, they were afraid of conceding. They knew that if they conceded, they would have given Juve the upper hand. Mm. You know, Juve also knew this. So they, they approached the game with a defensive mindset as they typically do, whatever. But seeing Inter so hesitant, you know, I think played into Juve's favor over here. Um, it was in the 52nd minute that the scoring was opened thanks to Adrien Rabiot. Um, Kostic received the ball in midfield, bro, and let it run through his legs to beat Barella, and he just was off. <laughs> Charging down the left, <laughs> squared the ball to Rabiot, bro, who placed it perfectly into the back of the net. This was all Kostic. Kostic here was the glue between the defense and the attack. He was everything. Yeah, he's one of the, what, three, four starters that there was in this team for the Juve. Two. And he led by example. He had a fantastic, fantastic performance over here, man. Great game. Managed to turn defense into attack. He he was the one doing that, like. In the 62nd minute, the Danilo goal from a corner was disallowed. This was a Kostic assist through a corner. 
Um, Danilo shot the ball into his own hand, which was being held in an arm bar by Devry. Okay. Um, it was bizarre to, ha- to cancel this goal, bro. You don't think so? Like, he had, Devry had literally Danilo's hand locked into place. Danilo mm. manages to kick the ball. As it's heading goalwards, it hits his own hand that's being held illegally by Devry. And the goal gets cancelled for a handball, an offensive foul. It's crazy to me. Clearly, the referee didn't think it was a clear and obvious foul. Um, at the end of the day, it's a tussle between both players. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, it is an infringement of play. If the ball hits the attacker's hand and goes in, then it shouldn't be a goal. Yes. But then if, if the referee thinks it's a foul, then it should be advantage. Mm-hmm. It should either be advantage or a penalty in that in that case, but well, probably advantage because you can't yeah. you know stop it, it, it was when the ball hits the back of the net. It was just weird overall. I guess the rule states that if the ball hits your if the if a goal is scored with a hand, then the goal does not count. It's as simple yeah. as that. Uh-huh. And I believe the referee just followed that rule, stuck to that. Uh-huh. I don't have too much of an issue with it. To be, if I'm being honest, man. Okay, I would have felt hard done if I were you a fan by that. But anyway. In the 74th minute, Lautaro missed another 1v1. And in the 76th minute, Kostic shoots and Onana saves it onto the post. This was a fucking masterclass by Kostic. I'm telling you, if Maldini wasn't the cover for this fucking podcast, it would be Kostic this yeah, week. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Su- superb performance by him. Mm-hmm. Superb performance. This is why they signed him. In the 84th minute, it was this man again, Kostic, who squared the ball across the box to Fajoli, who smashed it off Gossens and into the back of the post for his second goal of the season for Juventus. Um, 2-0 for Juve. What do you think? I mean, looking at the bet and looking at how confident we were that Inter would be able to get away with all three points against a Juve side that firstly have been struggling for the entirety of the season, um, they're down in the Europa League. They were down in the table. Everyone's shouting for Allegri to be sacked, but he can't due to a technicality and because Juve mm. literally don't want to spend that amount of money to get rid of someone. They have so many injuries. Inter are in pretty much full flow. I know they've also had their struggles this season, but looking at 11 versus 11 and the history that these two teams, in recent history, Inter have been so much better than Juve. This was a shock result. This was a shock result. Juve did everything they can to get away with the three points and they managed. They have only conceded seven goals this season, Mm -hmm. which is crazy considering that we were calling Juve's season a flop thus far. They are now having officially a better season than Inter. Mm -hmm. They're they're above them in the table. What a great performance by Juve. Their young guys really pulled through. <coughs> Rabiot had a good game as well. Kostic had a phenomenal game. That Fajoli-Miretti combination was looking juicy as well. Quadrado wasn't selfish. He had a very mature display. Wow, I'm, I'm wowed by this Juve victory, man. Honestly, you know, um, the kids turned out fine, no? Isn't that the expression? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, Juve have all these players these on high salaries, man. And it's the kids who are getting them the victories over and over again. Um, nice to see Rabiot finally finding himself as a player man honestly he does have shades of a Zidane from Wish you know what I mean <laughs> like, 
the most budget Zidane yeah, you can get. Yeah, the most budget like. Zidane you can get. But you know, he does have moments of like elegance where you say, mm. "Wow, that was nice. Mm-hmm. That was a good." Uh, he is. He is a very graceful player. He, he is, is a graceful he is, player. He really um, and the thing is, there's this whole thing that no one knows what Rabiot is is good at. That's mm-hmm. when he's off form. Now, since the whole United thing has died down, his head is a bit clearer. He knows his role in the team. He's no longer being utilized on the left or on the right. And he's being utilized in his own position. He has looked significantly stronger. And Mm. with the absence of Pogba, with the absence of Paredes, with the absence of all these players that that you have signed and brought in to replace someone like Rabiot, Rabiot is now performing cleanly. And it looks like he's going to be a significant player peace in the Juve squad moving forward. He's had good games recently. Yeah, man. He's, he really he's has. He's one of the leaders at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, four clean sheets in a row for Juve. This is the first time since December 2018 where they managed to get six clean sheets and six victories. Juve, as you mentioned, have the least goals conceded in the league. Lazio have the second least conceded goals in the league. So Juve mm-hmm. have seven, Lazio have eight, and then you have Napoli and Atalanta with ten. The one thing I wanted to highlight from this game, brother, um, is this Juve that was under such stress and pressure, the way they celebrated as a team on each goal. Yeah. Even the Danilo goal that was disallowed. At the corner flag, the subs all fucking joining in, everyone on each other, mm. smiles all around, you know. Yeah. They looked united somehow, Look, man. A 2 nil win in the Derby <laughs> d'Italia is going to do that for this team. Yeah. The shifting confidence is going to be through the roof. I think we're going to look at Juve in the future thinking, okay, these guys have no injuries. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's good to see Chiesa making a slow return as well. Di Maria making a slow return as well. Slowly, mm. slowly, things are starting to look a bit better for Juve, man. And the thing is, it was only two weeks ago, I believe, where I was reading out horror stats related to Juve. Now, here I am reading out these um, favorable stats for Juve. You know, the team with the best defense in the league at the moment. Now, listen to this one. Juve are the side to have the most players born since 2000 involved in at least one goal in Serie A this season. They've got five players. Madonna. There's Vlaovic, who's got seven contributions. Keane, who's got one. Fagioli, who's got two. Moretti, who's got one. And Illing Jr., who's got one. That's mad, man. Yes. Inter haven't had a single one so far. Just in, in comparison. Um, yeah, the kids are all right, quite mm-hmm, frankly. Mm-hmm. Let's talk a bit about Inter and why they weren't capable of doing anything in this match, why they were so neutralized. Not neutralized, but beaten. Properly beaten by this deflated, mm-hmm. young Juve side. I feel bad calling them deflated because they, they were so bright in this game that maybe deflated mm-hmm. isn't the isn't the correct term to use. But Inter, man, Inter, w- with the same starting eleven we've seen for pretty much the entirety of the season, I would say, bro, after this, Simone might be in a bit of trouble. It, it doesn't mean that he's going to be sacked and that he's going to be instantly replaced. But let's just say the owners have that thought in their minds now. He's got five losses, you know. He's got Crazy, man. The most losses. goals conceded away from home in the league so far. And that's Madonna. not a joke. Match day 13. That's we are, man. Yeah. Match day 13. Five and they've losses lost five games. Against Milan, Roma, Lazio, Odinese and Juve. All big teams, you know. These are the teams that you would um, want to beat if you're fighting for yeah. the league. Have they beaten a top seven team this season? I don't think so. Um, I can't recall, to be honest, bro. I, I don't think so either. I, I can find so. out real quick. Yes, please. In the going. meantime, I'll, I'll let you know this thing. Inter's Lautaro Martinez, my brother, has scored just one goal in his nine Serie A games against Juventus. No side he's faced 
as often in the competition has he scored fewer goals against oh quite my frankly. god oh my. And and that that that'll play a part in exactly. his head like that's, that's it that's it's, the it's the same as who was it piontech was it piontech against a certain team the, the, there was another one we had discussed last season I can't quite recall, but um, it tends to be the case. You no, know, when you haven't scored against a team in a while, mm. quite frankly, or your record against a team isn't good, you're going to be aware of that. It's going to play play a part of your game, mm. quite frankly. Mm. The only team we could consider top seven that um, Inter have beaten is Fiorentina, and that's because they finished seventh last season, but they've been terrible this year. And even they managed to fucking <laughs> put take, three points. Literally. A 4-3 win for Inter and it was a last-minute goal. Mm. Otherwise, they've lost to Roma, they've lost to Lazio, they've lost to Milan, they've lost to Juve. Let's be say they're going to lose to Napoli <laughs> as well. So, uh, not looking great for Inter this season, man. And I had them winning the league. <laughs> yes, bro. Um, many things went wrong this game. They were wasteful from the get-go. They didn't take the most out of their chances. Um, and then, you know, two counters like that against Juve, you know, when, when Kostic is on the break like that, I think Barella needs to drop him, man. Yeah, Barella needs to fun. grab his shirt and pull him to the ground. Exactly. Like you can't, that's a dangerous situation right there. You can't mm-hmm. let him break free. And, you know, they did it again and then on the counter attack for the second goal. Yeah. Um, the one positive stat for um, Inter is that Skriniar had the most passes in match day 13. With Bravo. Eight, with 86. Well done. Bravo. Yes, bro. Um, I don't know if there's anything you want to add. No, just super impressed by Juve. And to be honest, I'm a little bit confused about where Inter stand. I know that there are these one-off occasions where uh, a loss comes out of nowhere. But in this case, that's five losses out of 13 matches so far this season. And yeah, I'm super interested to see what's going to happen to this Inter side this year and where they're going to end up. Same here. All this talk about the Derby d'Italia, the biggest derby in Italy. Juventus currently sit fifth with 25 points. Inter currently sits seventh with 24 <laughs> points. Yes. Massive game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh-huh. it's also interesting that Inter are doing decently in Europe, that, that they're in the Champions League round yes. of 16 as well. It's good to see, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Good, good to see. Good to see. The next game we're going to be covering is Milan 2, Spezia 1. The champions facing a struggling Spezia side who never fail to insert fear to the Rossoneri faithful. That somewhat of a bogey team they've become yes. for Milan over the years. Milan were coming off a surprising loss to Torino, but a midweek 4-0 victory slash creaming of Salzburg, <laughs> which led them to a Champions League round of 16 for the first time in nine years. On the other hand, Spezia are coming off a 2-1 home loss to Fiorentina and have only managed nine points so far this season, facing eight defeats. That's only three more than Inter, bro. Just to have a look at Milan's past encounters against Spezia, Spezia won this last fixture last season as they beat Milan 2-1 away from home. Before that, Milan beat Spezia 2-1 away from home. Before that, Spezia beat Milan at home 2-0. And before that, Milan beat Spezia at home. 3-0 3-0 so uh, it, it's like uh, the stats of top two sides facing each other <laughs> now obviously Manjan, Zlatan, Calabria, Salamakers, Florenzi is still out of action for Milan and um, while Spezia miss Giassi, Bastoni, Kovalenko and the suspended Nicolau and yeah I mean Spezia have had a torrid time in the past six away games this season. They have zero points and zero goals. 
Um, but they famously won here against Milan in the San Siro last season after a stoppage time refereeing error. Yes. You remember that, brother? You I remember, remember that? very clearly two errors. Was it two there errors? There was the Messias goal that was disallowed and then there was the Udoji scoring ah, with, with his hand, hand at with the his end hand. of the game. Yeah. Crazy, man. <clears throat> Crazy. Um, so for Milan, it was a 4-2-3-1 formation with Tata and goal, a backline of Teo, Tomori, Gabian, Kalulu, double pivot of Kronich and Ben Nasser, Leao on one side, Messias on the other, and Diaz sitting behind Origi. For Spets, it was a 3-5-2 formation, Dragovski in goal, Ampadu, Kiwior and Caldara at the back, Amian and home on the wings with Borabia, Egdal and Agudelo in midfield with Inzola and Daniel Maldini up front. <laughs> Now, Milan started the game off very offensive with Tomori fumbling a decent opportunity after a marauding Leao run and Kronich smacking the bar from a volley. You remember that? I remember um, that, brother. And then Dragovski producing a great save on Brahim shortly after. However, then in the 21st minute, Ben Nasser served Theo a lovely lofted long ball and the Frenchman chested down and toe poked it well into Dragovski's near post. VAR took five minutes to confirm that Theo wasn't offside. To me, it was clear and fucking obvious that he wasn't offside. Apparently, the communication between the VAR room and the referee was interrupted. Shocking. That was the problem. Shocking. Um, Just before (laughs) halftime, and then Leao's deflected strike hit the post, and Krulin's follow-up was cleared off the line, while Sinzola had an empty goal at a point, but he failed to make contact with the ball this was a good game man it was end-to-end it was stuff chaos it chaotic game man absolute chaos it's what you can expect from from a milan spezia game in the 59th minute just after the break daniel maldini collected the ball just inside his parent club's area and he curled it into the bottom corner so clean it wasn't even the bottom corner it was like the side netting it was the perfect mm-hmm. Perfect finish. This is the Ruolo Lex that we always talk about. It is real, particularly when Milan are involved. He has now scored two Serie A goals in his career. One for Milan against Spezia and the other one for Spezia against Milan. It's funny how things play out, man. It really is. Football is too predictable, brother. Yeah. And you said last time, last time uh, Maldini scored against Milan was in like the 1960s. Yeah, he was out on loan. Uh This is those few moments where like Mercury is in serious retrograde and the Maldini scores against Milan. Yes, Freddie Mercury is in Gatorade indeed. (laughs) Get your crystals out, boys. In the 64th minute, Tonali cunted the ball into the top corner from distance. Um, after Origi squared the ball to him Celebrations all round Fantastic goal by Tonali Mr. Reliable again But turns out that there was a foul in the build-up from Tomori It was a little trip that he had in the build-up Like, come on <laughs> And you, you get to see uh, Zlatan's reaction to that Tonali goal He was looking around like, this guy is serious You know, like yeah. with his eyebrows Like He was like, this <laughs> this kid is serious like, And it's oh, true man. Is, huh? oh, T- Tonali is one of the brightest young stars in Europe at the moment Man, yeah. he is something else tonali and and it's not only from a quality perspective but just a professionalism and work ethic perspective the man is top no complaints takes a pay cut you know just continues you know exactly. earns his salary back he's living a his good dream. example yes he's living his dream he's happy in the 89th minute tonali tripped the ball into the area to find Giroud, who acrobatically hung in the air and bicycle kicked the ball into the back of the net 
to score what must have been the goal of the season thus far. Everyone lost their mind. Suma lost his mind. Giroud lost his mind. Totally forgot that he had been booked earlier. <laughs> Took his shirt off. Started flexing his muscles to the crowd. Spent a good two minutes flexing his muscles. Only to receive another yellow card. And you could see in his eyes. He's like, ah, shit. I fucking forgot. Like. And you see Kalulu breaking it to lay out. You know, afterwards as well. But I wouldn't call that a bicycle kick. I'd call that a scissor kick. Yeah, no, you're you're right. You're right. You're right. That's a that's a scissor kick. A bicycle kick is when you do it backwards. Mm-hmm. A scissor kick is when you do it sideways. It's like that classic Holland finish where he hangs into the air and just sticks a leg out. But it's as different when Giroud does it. He does it with such class and such grace. And wow, the way he hung in the air for that goal, man, was yeah, man. spectacular. Spectacular. One million euro man. Yeah. So Milan had 23 goal attempts, 11 on target. Dragovski was very, very busy. He managed to get eight saves, which is the most in this in this match day. What a performance by him, man. Amazing, man. He's like a handball keeper. He saves shots with his legs, you know, with Literally, his feet man. more than anything else. Literally. Very um, unconventional, but it's super effective. Yeah. Um, would you say that Giroud's red card, because I saw he was getting slandered a little mm. bit on, on Twitter for his professionalism, for living mm. in the moment a bit too much and not think he should be leading by example, so on and so forth. Um, I think genuine mistakes like this happened. He addressed it in the post-match press conference as well, saying, I fucking totally forgot, like I'm human, mm-hmm. I should be leading by example. I need to take a couple of days to calm down because I can't forgive myself for this mm-hmm. like would you say it's something about professionalism or is it that human element no it's it's um look the guy is a walking example of the true and perfect professional mm. you know he's selfless he plays for the team yeah he's the ta- he's a utility striker you know he won the world cup without scoring a single goal as a number nine he's the the guy without an ego on the team. He's the perfect example. He's a leader. He scores in big games. Like, I don't think Giroud's professionalism can ever be questioned. Now, whether he forgot or not, this was a goal in the 89th minute. A, a super goal by him. He's 36 years old. He probably thought a couple of, like two years ago when he was joining Milan, he was probably thinking to himself, like, I hope I've still got it, you know? Mm. And now and, and he's At the beginning out here. of the season, Origi came in. Probably yeah. like, am I going to start? Am I going to be benched by this new guy? How's Origi going to do in Italy? Yeah. And he pro- in fact, Origi started this game, so it's probably on his mind already. He came mm. on late, you know. Um, but yes, he he fucking scored an important goal, man. And I think at that moment, whether he forgot or whether it was just the adrenaline was too much, you just it's part of the sport, Brother. you know. It's part of the emotions. Like everyone felt that. Brother, I score a goal like that. I'm whooping my cock out. Like I think, <laughs> I think Giroud did a a good job of keeping his pants on after that, <laughs> much to the dismay of many female. And and male as well. Um, supporters in the in the stadium as well. Quite, <laughs> I don't know how a man could look that good sweating his ass off. Yeah. Like, bro, I'm gonna find it difficult one day. In in the future, when I have kids, um, and I'm showing them clips like these vintage football clips from 2022, <laughs> and, and I'm showing them, you know, prime Olivier Giroud, and I'm just showing them, you know, Giroud's goals, Giroud's highlight reels. How am I going to explain to them that this guy wasn't the best footballer to ever grace the page? Literally, literally. It's going to be incredibly tough. Every goal he scores is a masterpiece, man. He's had some incredible goals, man. Oh, bro. The one for Arsenal, that fucking scorpion kick. 
He's had the, some the one against Inter man. man. The, the, the twist, Literally. the Olivier twist. Literally, yeah. he, he's had some mad ones in the Prem, man. He's had he some has, fucking yeah. mad ones. Um, the one where I, he dribbled, you know, he kept the ball and players were just falling around him. Yeah, it's yeah. Like a, that goal is a painting. You see everyone falling around him, <laughs> him just fucking <laughs> dribbling through everyone. Giroud, like, wow, man. And it's crazy that he's 35 years old. He's playing all these fixtures. He's playing Champions League because he scored fucking in the Champions League. He scored two in the Champions yes. League. And, and two he, assists. And two assists. <laughs> and then he comes against Spezia and he scores in the last minute as well. I, I, I'm head over heels for this guy, man. Head over heels. Um, you've got to love the team spirit by Milan as well. The fact that they, nothing is going their way and they just keep fighting to the end. Like they concede a goal to their own player, to Daniel yes. Maldini. They get that Tonali goal disallowed. It's a frustration all around, and they still manage to get the victory in the 89th against their bogey teams, be it Spezia or fucking Inter. Like, they managed to get the, the, the three points. Now, we've seen Milan struggle to get full three points this season. Is a victory like this sustainable? Have they been getting sustainable victories, you think? Have they been convincing? A victory like this is... What was necessary? This was the bounce back after the Torino game. Yeah. The most important thing was the three points, and Milan got the three points. The manner does not matter. Milan are full of confidence now. You know, they're back to winning ways in the league. They've advanced in the Champions League. They've got Spurs, an opponent that's difficult but not impossible. Mm. You know, familiar opponent in Antonio Conte. Yeah. Uh, oh, oh, nice. The electricity's electricity back. Electricity's back. We had a power cut halfway through, right? <laughs> Just so you know, uh, we've been recording in the dark. Like it's, <laughs> Thinking it's, the laptop's going to die yeah, in a second. Exactly, man. we're on like 30%. The laptop, we, we got home, the dog wouldn't stop whining. I'm sure we've, we've told you about our dog before. Yeah. We have this chihuahua who's like on his deathbed. <laughs> he's done. Like, he so he can barely go. breathe. You know, he's got liquid in his lungs. He's constantly <laughs> whining. Constantly whining like that. So, you know, I had to calm him down before we could start recording. (laughs) We have another chihuahua in this prime that can't stop fucking him. Like, (laughs) he's whining. It's fuck. Living here is hell. Like, it's a nightmare. Fucking hell. Um, And and then you get to see, like, for example, we're pressed for time because Milan started at 8.45. And of course, we'd like to watch that game. We had the Napoli game on. We're trying to watch it now while we record. God knows what the score is. Power cut. Like, Fuck me, man. We both me. had long days. I'm going abroad really early yeah. tomorrow, so I need to get this need to get this done. Obviously, enjoy, we enjoy this very much, guys. It just hasn't been get the fuck off me. It just hasn't <laughs> been the most convenient. Let's put it that way. Um, but yeah, now Milan need to beat Cremonese without Giroud and Theo. Can they do it? You know what I mean? Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Cremonese are a tough draw. It, they yeah. are a tough draw. They make it hard for everyone, but they, they really also. Do. Lose. <laughs> um, Benevento vibes, maybe. Yeah. First first three points of the season. No, we'll see. First three points in their history. And say, well, yeah, their no, goalkeeper's going to score as well. Yeah, well. <laughs> that would be Radu, no? Yeah. Radu's revenge. Or <laughs> oh, my, probably Carnesecchi. Yeah. For some reason, before saying Carnesecchi, the first thing that comes to mind is always Marchetti. Wow. The Etti. High, the high etti. praise for the young <laughs> <laughs> So Spezia fought their hearts out, but it wasn't enough. It was a decent performance by them, as was their performance against Fiorentina. Normally we'd say Spezia are the team out of the bottom sides that are most capable of getting results. That hasn't remained consistent for this season. They have, however, gotten their first away goal of this season. So, well done Spezia. 
Milan find themselves in second place on 29 points, six points behind league leaders Napoli, while Spets are just three points out of the relegation zone in 17th on nine points. The next game we're going to be covering is Udinese 1-Lecce 1. This is the second time Udinese and Lecce have drawn in their 29 meetings in Serie A. 17 wins for Udinese and 10 wins for Lecce during this period. Ah, the historian. Yes, coming into this game, this was the lowest percentage of draws between two teams that have met more than 12 times in the history of the competition. (laughs) I... Love these stats. I love them. Bro. They're so random, they're but they're so. so good. I love. Where, like, where did they get the number twelve? <laughs> Why well, to, to to fit some kind of agenda? Yes, the power is back, and Napoli are winning. And then Napoli have and a red card. Have a red card. Yes, we can guess what happened over here. But anyway, Udinese have won eleven of their fifteen say uh, home games against Lecce. They've lost three. Oh, what? sorry, Herving Lozano and his hundred and first appearance. <laughs> One of their three defeats, however, came precisely in the most recent meeting be- between these two teams. It was a 2-1 loss on the 29th of July 2020. Okay. The goals again were scored by Samir for Udinese, Mancozu and Lapadula for Lecce. Remember oh, that team? Yes, very clearly. Yeah. So the lineup for Udinese, they lined up with their three 5-2 formation, while well, I counted the midfielders there. <laughs> Silvestri was in goal as usual with Abosse, Bijol and Perez at the back. Pereira on the left and... Try. Ezebui on the right. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure I nailed it. Pablo! <laughs> Help. Arslan, Wallace and Samardzic in the middle with Deo Lefeu and Beto up front. Yes, we can call... Kingsley. Kingsley, let's call him Kingsley, mm-hmm. the king on the left, the king on the right, <laughs> the, king on the, right yeah. the king on the right, um, never mind, Falcone. <laughs> I, I, I know what you were going to say, <laughs> Falcone in goal for Lecce with Jean Dre and Gallo out wide as the fullbacks with this centre-back duo of Umtiti and Baschirotto, a fantastic centre-back duo that with Gonzalez, Gonzalez, sorry, Hulmund Hume, and Blin in the midfield. This has been a train wreck. <laughs> Stefetsa on the right, Banda on the left, and Milan Loni, Colombo up front. Now, one minute and 30 seconds into this game, the small, small man Strefetsa shot low and hard from low and hard from outside the box and hit the post. Um, very close there to an early goal by the underdogs this game. Yeah. And then it was in the 33rd minute that Gallo, who had a really good game, whipped a ball into Colombo, who attempted to strike it with some power, like he attempted to smash it. Some venom. And somehow, with some wizardry, he missed the shot, but ended up taking it down beyond the defender, (laughs) ending up one-on-one with the goalkeeper, essentially, and just rifling it in true Colombo manner into the roof of the net. His second goal for um, Lectria in, in, in Serie A. Yes, his Seria. second goal in mm-hmm. Serie A. And, uh, his first one was a fucking mama. Still one of the yeah. goals of the season so far. Exactly. And um, his second goal, bro. No, sorry. The second goal by Milan Loni this match day. Mm, true, true. Yeah. So at the end of the first half, bro, Gallo smacked the post with an outstepped shot from a distance as well. So, so Lectria were actually playing mm-hmm. really fucking well over here. Uh, and I half. like Gallo a lot, man. I really He's like He's really good. He's really good, Gallo. The rooster. He could make the funny name 11. He can. He can make the funny Honestly, name 11. Honestly, I think 11. that's almost done, by the way. The post, hey, hey, we, hey. we can post it soon. Deo Lefeu 
in the 68th minute, played a forward ball to Isaac Success, who let it pass by him and squared it to Beto, who finished it well first time. Good goal by Udinese over there. They grabbed the ball, they ran back, you know, they were pumped up to get the victory. And in fact, they did turn up the tempo after having their first shot in the 30th minute. Now was the time for Udinese to attack. Deolafeu had a nice solo run in the 75th minute, but went for the shot instead of the pass when they had a numerical advantage. He failed to hit the target. That was very disappointing mm. and his teammates were quite disappointed over there. Two good saves by Falcone at the end of the game kept Udinese at bay. One on, per- on Pereira. And another one on a cross that was heading towards Beto. Of course, um, Falcone jumped out and intercepted it. What a fucking yeah. performance by him, brother. Mm-hmm. Great goalkeeper, Falcone, man. Really, really underrated. Really yeah. underrated. This was the type of game, bro, that um, you would think, you know, Udinese would win comfortably. But Lecce did so well, man. Lecce can look so organized at times. And I do think that Udinese have lost a little bit of their momentum over here. I mean, they dropped points in their two matches before this as well, if I'm not mistaken. Uh They lost to... um, So, the game before this, they drew to Cremonese away from home. So, that's two newly promoted sides in a row and they only managed two points. Before that, they lost to Torino at home. And then before that, in the Coppa, they lost 3-2 at home to Monza. So, they're really struggling against the newly promoted teams, Man Udinese. It seems like they're taking all the big dogs down. Bit of a Sassuolo, maybe. Yeah, Robin Hood. Robin Hood. Stealing from the rich and giving to the poor. That's mm. quite the observation, mm. brother, maybe. Yeah. But, but uh, Udinese seemed to be in a bit of a slower phase. This, this was always going to happen. There's no way they would have remained that consistent <laughs> until the end of the season because they would have fucking potentially even won the league or gotten top <laughs> yeah. four. There's no way they were going to keep that up. Like Now... It's about, you know, remaining sustainable, uh, about implementing some squad rotation and still being able to take away three points. But uh, right now, now is the time to face Odinese, probably. Yeah, when they're on the down low, <coughs> on the downfall, sorry. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously Europe will still be an objective for them, but um, for it's sure. looking more complicated. Mm-hmm. Wallace had 16 recoveries this game, the most of match day 13. Um, he failed to hit the target on the end of a corner, but overall he had an excellent game. Mm-hmm. Um, great, great display by the big man in the middle over there. Wallace, Wallace. <laughs> Um, yes, as we mentioned, the 20-year-old Milan Loni Lorenzo Colombo scored his second goal in Serie A. He had a decent start at Spa last season in Serie B, scoring six goals. Many of them came at the beginning of the season, but unfortunately, he couldn't keep that form up in the second half of the season. Mm. Um, fun fact about Colombo, bro, is that he averaged a goal every 30 minutes with Milan's Primavera. The guy fucking was hell. built like a 30-fucking-two-year-old guy when he was 16 years old. Jesus. He had thunder thighs, I believe, is what they call them. <laughs> You know, that wasn't actually his nickname, but it should it should have been. <laughs> so you just made that up yourself. Yes, I made it up. Yeah. <laughs> Thunder thighs. I love it. I love it. Sounds like a superhero. I was impressed by Udinese's Isaac's success with his flick-ons up front. They're quite a selfish striker as well. Played quite well mm. upon entry. Mm. Uh, a good assist as well by him. Managed to spot the run of Beto coming coming into the middle. Um, yeah, he's he's been he's been a very improved player from last season. We all. You know, we all uh, as to were criticizing him maybe for making poor decisions in the final third last season. And it seems like he's really brushed off on that. And he knows his strengths and he knows his weaknesses now. Definitely, bro. Udinese currently sit eighth with 23 points, while Lecce currently sit in 17th with nine points. 
Now we can talk about the best match that happened in match day 13. Oh, Salernitana yes. 2, Cremonese 2. This, if it were up to me, would have been the first game that we covered. Yeah. It was so fucking entertaining to watch, man. So they faced each other for the first time in Serie A. Their last league meetings came in 2020-2021 in Serie B. Both won by Salernitana. One of them two goals to one and the other one one goal to nil. Salernitana were coming off an impressive win against Lazio at the Olimpico. Crazy shit considering Lazio just beat Roma without Sergei and without Ciro. And West Cremonese were coming off a nil-nil draw against Udinese. So both these sides riding a bit high at the moment. So Gyomber was out, DR returned to the starting 11, while the visitors missed Dezers, Kirikes and Radu, and also uh, Bianchetti. So Karnesecki started in goal for Cremonese in a 3-4-1-2 formation, Aiwu, Hendry and Lashoskvili at the back, Sir Nicola and Qualiata out wide with Meite and Pickel in the middle, uh, Bonaiuto in the attacking midfield role with Saju and Okereke up front, Whereas for the home side, it was a 3-5-2 formation. Sepe in goal, Fazio Lovato and Bron at the back with Bradaric and Mazzocchi on the wings. Kulibali, Radovanovic and Kandreva forming the midfield three with Piontek and Dia up front. So in the third minute, Karnesecki palmed across away, but it hit his own defender, Aiwu, who was caught flat-footed and Piontek came in and slotted home into an empty net. So an early lead there for Salernitana. Um, however, only nine minutes later, Saju's header set up Okereke for a super volley from outside the area, leaving Sepe rooted to the spot. What a fucking goal. Amazing this goal. is an honorable mention and a half. And he did his fucking the crazy chin finger, fucking dude. chin finger roost. I don't know what the fuck I don't it know is, what he's doing, bro. But it's cool, man. It's like the Prince of Persia or the guitarist from System of a Down's beard or something. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> he, he, he reminds me of a kid. That guy yeah. after his scores a goal is just like a, like a kindergarten kid <laughs> taking the pure piss. Like yeah. to if that to be a love. spectrum of goal celebrations, Okereke would be on the far left and Betos would be on the far right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Badass and then just piss taking. Yeah. In the 38th minute, Kandreva's ball put Kolebali through, but the Malayans still had so much work to do, finishing through Karnasecki's legs from a tight angle, making it 2-1 in the 38th minute. For the remainder of the game, a lot of back and forths between these two teams. Salernitana looking to obviously maintain that result while Cremonese looking to equalize. And then in the 89th minute, chaos ensued. Fazio was late on a challenge on Zanemakia inside the area. And after a VAR review, the referee awarded a penalty to Cremonese in the 89th minute to get the equalizer against Salernitana. Shofani stepped up, struck the penalty... It was saved by Sepe and Castagnetti turned in the rebound, making it 2-2. But it had to be retaken because the goalkeeper was off his line and players were inside the area. That goes to show the level of chaos that was going on in this match. So a retake. Ciofani had the balls to step up and take the penalty again. Sepe saved it again. But Ciofani managed to turn, turn in the rebound himself this time, making it 2-2. Crazy scenes. This went on for a while, obviously. Sepe ended up getting a yellow card for complaining as of well. Course. Crazy, crazy scenes. You see him kicking the ads on the side. <laughs> so pissed off, saving two penalties in a row and they of scored the rebound. Of course, man. Of course. He would have hated his life at that point. He, 
he would have been a hero, saved two penalties in a row, denying Tro- Trofani, by the way, has to be off penalties, yeah, huh? Yeah, he, he does. has to be off penalties. And how dare he celebrate? <laughs> how dare he? At the end of the day, it's it, it's an equalizer against Salernitana. Cremonese, bro, Cremonese have six points and it's because of six draws. <laughs> These are adding up for them. Yeah. They really are adding up. But we man. saw so, the draws for Genoa last season weren't enough. Yeah, I know. In the, in the Blessing era. Yeah. He's still there, yeah, He's still there. We'll see. We'll see what they can do. The, Hopefully, we'll see them back in Serie A next the, year. I miss them. The Klopp region. <laughs> Literally, the second coming of Klopp. Um, so that was my first point. Trofani off penalties for sure. But this had to be the best match of the weekend, eh? for sure, bro. Action packed from start to finish. Like literally got a goal in the third, a goal in the 89th. Like the full yeah. stretch of the game. Salernitana, when they play bigger teams, they can look like a big team themselves. <laughs> Obviously, in, in ninth place, they're not exactly a small team in today's day and age. But then when they play these smaller teams, they really get that hustler side out yeah. of them. Eh? they really like, okay, if you want to turn this into a scrap, we are fucking Salernitana. We probably have one of the most impressive curva suits in the world. Like, So we're willing to take that route as well. It's true. They're like... Um... They're like one of those working class background politicians. Exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> the one that goes to, to the casino, the, exactly. like to the support. Like he goes to the lobster events, he sits in parliament with the suit, but then he'll wear a tank top and like snap a rabbit's neck and put it on the barbecue <laughs> like, with the boys. Like. <laughs> that's Maltese as fuck. Yeah, Probably Southern Italian as well, which I mean Southern Italian. They're from Campania, so... We're yes, very yeah. much like them, I guess. They'll probably beat us. And, and any guy from Salerno would beat the shit out of us. Probably, I feel, yes. Like. I feel like that would be the case. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Salernitana continuing to look super dangerous, but ultimately they'll be disappointed with a result like this, not managing to get the full three points yes. against Cremonese. Man, what do you think? For sure, bro. Um, they, they did dominate the game, even though they did give up a few opportunities. Um, I think that penalty drama at the end will will really haunt them, especially Sepp. You know, he'd be upset with that. Mm-hmm. But you know, at the end of the day, they didn't lose. I guess, and that's that's a be- that's a good thing. Yeah, for for Salatana, I mean, they wouldn't have you know, they wouldn't have expected to be ninth at this at this point. Yeah. You know what I mean? They'll take one point, they'll move on. They they're not gonna feel hard done by it. You know what I mean? Yeah, especially they, even Car- though they were, but fuck it. Even though Karniseki himself did have a bit of a. A mayor this game, in my opinion. He wasn't great on the goal, huh? on the first goal especially. Look, it was unlucky. He could have gotten a more convincing parry to the ball. Mm-hmm. But just the defender was placed in an awkward situation. He was flat-footed, so he couldn't get the ball away. It's harsh to pin it on him. It is harsh no, to pin it, it on it's Karniseki. Not a, I'm not pinning it directly Bro, on him. Bro, stop pinning it on him. He's a young guy. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I mean, it's no Radu, eh? Yeah, <laughs> you know no, what no, I mean? No Radu by far. In fact, Cremonese probably don't even mind that, mm. that kind of mistake after what they've yeah. seen and been through. Yeah, yeah true, true. I, I wouldn't even say that Salernitana dominated the game. Certainly, they didn't look as though they were in too much danger in the second half until the penalty was awarded. But when you look at the stats, 52% possession to Salernitana. 11 goal attempts a pop. Cremonese had five on target, Salernitana had two on target. Mm. So Cremonese can bring it, man. Yeah. Cremonese can bring it. They just can't, you know, win. win. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. They'll take the points and run, brother. That's their sixth draw of the season, putting them on six points in 18th place, three behind Salvation. While Salernitana in ninth place on 17 points, six behind Udinese. 
The next game we're going to be talking about is Bologna 2, Torino 1. Coming into this game, you ready for it, bro? Yes. Torino had lost just one of their previous 10 Serie A matches against Bologna with three wins and six draws. With that defeat coming in March 2019 at the Olimpico Grande Torino Stadium, 3-2. So this was a good win for Bologna against uh, an opponent that tends to destroy them, quite frankly. Mm, Fair enough. Bologna and Torino drew each of their previous five Serie A matches at Dallara. Okay. The last away win for Torino against Bologna dates to April 16th. This was a 1-0 win. And guess who scored in the 93rd minute? For, for Torino. For Torino. Scored in the 93rd minute. What year was this? 2016. For Torino, 2016. I'm actually going to guess. I'm actually going to guess. I don't know. You don't know? No. You're not going to guess? Yes, he... he... Okay, Torino goal. Who comes to mind? Bellotti. Yes, obviously. it was Bellotti. Oh, okay, <laughs> but like no way is it that easy. Like yeah, it's that easy, it bro. It's that easy. We said the same thing last year. It's it was true, the stat last year, last week. It was the stat. No, it was like oh, the last time they beat these guys. Uh, blah, 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 uh, goal by Bellotti. Like, God knows how many goals he's fucking scored. Like, true, like he, he goes. He's the most prolific striker in history, perhaps. Bellotti, probably one of them. They also had that team that that died in that plane crash. That's yes, like Bellotti never died in a fucking playing crack <laughs> all right so, <laughs> so it's good. that torino team had 10 of their players in italy starting yeah 11. man that was literally il grande torino they had they that nickname all, for a reason they man. all died in a fucking plane crash as the supporters were waiting for them to arrive back at the turin airport after winning a cup winners cup match against i think benfica My it God, was they man. were waiting for them to come back to congratulate them they never arrived. They all what fucking an, died. What an man. absolute nightmare. It was, I believe it was a very, like the visibility was really bad mm-hmm. that day and the plane was flying too low and it hit some kind of, mo- not a, a monument, a structure, some Fuck, kind of structure. Man. Plane hit that, yeah, and everyone just died on the spot. I believe one person survived. Was and he, he was like some journalist that yeah. started like Tutto Sport or, 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 yeah, or something, something like that. Like that. We have an article about it on our website, we guys. We have a website, oh, yeah. seriaspotlight.com. It's a very well-written article. Go check it out. It's a great read. Yeah. Thank you. Shout out to Mithul. Thank you, Mithul. So we've been speaking about Bellotti. Um, they have missed a striker of his caliber since his departure. Don't worry, they've got Pietro Pellegri. Two seconds into the game, Pietro Pellegri goes off injured. How is it even possible, man? The, what the fuck happened? Like? The fastest... Injury in Serie A history. No shit, man. <laughs> Two seconds. Honestly, yes. And honestly, don't ask me how this is possible. In the 18th second of the game, Arnautovic was one-on-one. <laughs> okay. But... So second, 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 Pellegri injured. 18th second, Musa Barrow curving, looping ball over the top to Arnautovic, who's one-on-one with the keeper, strikes it. Vanya pulls off a massive save. Now, something we've got used to saying this season. Yeah. Vanya pulls off a massive mm-hmm. save. Mm-hmm. The massive man with the massive beard pulling off massive saves. With the massive right? dick. We gave, we, our, we gave our top 10 goalkeepers earlier on in the season. To be honest, I feel like an idiot. Yeah. So many guys like fucking Vanya should be... Yes. Somewhere close to the top 10, at least. Perhaps Di Gregorio. Di Gregorio. <laughs> Gregorio, man. Wow. Wow, man. Wow. I think, I think um, because because you mentioned um, uh, Madonna. Skorupski. Skorupski. I think talent-wise, he's there. He just hasn't had the form at the moment. Mm. But, aha, uh-huh. go on. Okay. 
in the 26 <laughs> minute defending it with my life <laughs> let it go bro <laughs> there was a long ball by Vanya Milinkovic Savage goalkeeper playmaker everything is it was they a long ball him. long ball over the top bro honestly the full length of the pitch seeing this guy again loop it, kicking balls is hilarious like i don't know why because he's so big and seeing him kick a football is so funny to me it's a, every time like he, he goes to kick a ball anyway yes it was a long ball by him to miranchuk who was dropped in the box by lukumi boom Penalty for Torino. Skorupski guessed right, but couldn't stop Lukic's shot. 1-0 Torino. But he guessed right, man. That is how the first half ended. Now, in the second half, there was a reaction by Thiago Motta, who brought on Orsolini and Soriano for Abishar and Ferguson. Not a bad duo to bring on over mm. here. Orsolini in form, of course, having scored in the last game, and Soriano, a veteran player. In fact, it was in the 64th minute that um, Ricardo Orsolini actually found the back of the net. There was an amazing curling lofted ball by Vignato under the path of Orsolini who converted it. Super sub. Yeah, we could call him a super sub. He is a sub now. Yeah. <laughs> two goals in two games. Definitely um, satisfying the role that Motta has given him. In the 73rd minute, it was Stefan Posh who got the winner for Bologna. Liko Janis crossed the ball into the box. It was flicked on by Soriano, another substitute by Motta, making an instant impact. It was flicked on to Posh at the far post to manage to score his first ever Serie A goal. Um, at the end of the game, Arnautovic managed to cross the ball in low and hard through a Rabona after almost <laughs> losing it and running out of the pitch. Um Orsolini had an empty post. It would have been, I think, the assist of the year so far. But <laughs> honestly, the, the Rabona was lovely. And Orsolini <laughs> just fucking airs in the bro. Super sub. I know the bitch was like, come on, dude. Like, are you joking right now? I'm exhausted. I'm like, I've been running. Like, I had the Rabona to get into you. Like, you fuck. I put it on a plate for you and you fucking miss it. You know that, that fucking uh, video of that guy, the, the Spanish guy saying, you, your shorts don't brush your balls. Exactly. Your shorts don't fucking brush you your balls. You fuck the best women. Yeah. You sleep in the best hotels. Yeah, man, your clothes don't stick to you. The sweat doesn't stick to them. You know that, That's it, man, Orsolini. You've got to score that. Yeah. Maybe I'll make a meme of that, it. That's a, that's a guy that's riding off of great confidence. He's just like, let me fucking yeah. count. This is going to be the goal of the season. Yeah, like, yeah. And alas, it was not. Yes. Did I go through the lineup? You didn't, bro. I was oh thinking God. about it. Like, oh Go God. through them now. Go I'll through go through them now. now. Okay, so uh, Bologna played with Skorupski in goal. There was Lukumi, Saumaur and Posh at the back with Cambiasso on the left, Abishor on the right, Dominguez and Medel in the middle, Arnautovic played up front with Barrow and Ferguson behind him. Of course, they had super subs on the bench, um, super subs for their caliber, uh, caliber sorry, in um, Vignato, Soriano, Orsolini, these guys all contributing yeah. to a goal. Um, credit, shout out to Thiago Motta for changing the game. Literally, literally. Um, Torino played with Savic in goal, Gigi, Schurz and Bongiorno at the back. Um, Singo on the right, Lazaro on the left with Ricci and Lukic in the middle. Pellegri starting as the striker with Miranchuk and Vlasic um, playing off his shoulder. Of course, um, there had to be an early substitution over there with uh, Karamoch coming on in the place of Pietro Pellegrini, and that did fuck Torino up a little bit, yeah. uh, for lack of a better term, because yeah. they, do, they don't have an out-and-out mm. out striker. I think they need to get one as early as January, we said this last week, and it, for sure. it continues to ring through. For sure. Torino were coming off a fantastic victory against Milan. They face Bologna, and they're obviously hard done. Like you said, situational 
a very situational loss. They they lost their striker in Pellegri that kind of messed up their structure of the game and, and you know their preparation just went to shit instantly. Um, but yeah, Bologna did a fantastic job and kudos to Motta. It's good to have Motta and the guy feel like he reads games very well. He's able to adapt his teams very well in, in, in every game. So shout out to him and shout out to Bologna. Um, Third win in a row for them, man. They're on the up, huh? They're on the up. They're on the up for sure. <laughs> Will you definitely not relegation candidates anymore? No, that talk has absolutely died. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And you know, it is sometimes. Although changing a manager so early on in the season can seem premature and it can seem irrational, sometimes it's just what you have to do. And they yes, did sir. that. They got Motta on board, and they're looking fucking better, man. They're looking way better. Yes, they are, man. Um, back to Torino. Um, so guessing, assuming that they don't have a striker, right? You'd think mm. that many of their goals would come through their midfielders from uh-huh. outside the box, right? Uh-huh. Maybe long range effort. They have Radonjic, Vlasic, Miranchuk. They're all capable of hitting uh-huh. them, right? Uh-huh. Wrong. Torino <laughs> are one of the 10 teams of the big five European leagues this season to have not yet scored from outside the box. Okay. Despite them having attempted 49 shots from outside the box, 13 of which were on target. Okay. Indeed, they are the only side in Serie A to not score from outside of the box this season. Miranchuk will be the first one. I would He'll say Radonjic. Okay. Radonjic. Okay, that's, that's not a, a bad shout. He's that's got a, a rocket shot. in his pocket. Ah, but Miranchuk, Miranchuk just outside the area, angled on his favorite foot. He yeah. can curl one into the bottom <laughs> corner. Bro. We should put a bet on this. You and I like personal bet. We'll discuss it. Yes, we'll sir. discuss it. <laughs> so currently, Torino sit in tenth with seventeen points, while Bologna are in twelfth with sixteen points. The next game we're going to be covering is Sampdoria nil, Fiorentina two. Coming into this game, Samp had won their last two Serie A home fixtures against Fiorentina, which is crazy considering Samp had a shit season last season and Fiorentina had a good season. Last season, Samp still managed to get away with all three points in the same encounter. Samp are coming off a 3-0 loss against Inter, whilst Fiorentina were coming off a 2-1 away win against Spezia. Now, the Viola were celebrating passing to the Conference League playoffs and last week's 2-1 win at Spezia, but they still missed Nico Gonzalez, Ricardo Sotil and Gaetano Castrovilli. Verde was suspended for Sampdoria, while Pusetto, Harry Winks and De Luca still injured for Sampdoria. Samp therefore lined up without their own goal, a back five of Augello, Amione, Colley, Ferrari and Berezinski, a midfield three of Juricic, Villar and Leris, an attacking two of Caputo and Montevago. On the other hand, for Fiorentina, they lined up in a 4-3-3 formation with Terracciano in goal and rightly so, a back four of Dodo, Milenkovic, Martinez and Biragi, and Bonaventura, Duncan and Mandragora forming the midfield three, while Sikona and Kwame flanked Jovic. Now, it took under four minutes for the breakthrough as Bonaventura was ready to tap in at the near post after Dodo pulled back from the byline finalizing a brilliant Christian Kwame counter-attack who just keeps on impressing me. He turned into fucking Leao to bring the ball forward, man. He does that often. Yeah, played it to Dodo, played it to Bonaventura and Bonaventura slotted in, coming in clutch. In the 11th minute, Ekone rounded the keeper and squared it to Kwame maturely, but the Ivorian saw his attempt blocked off the line by Ferrari. They could have made it 2-0 over there. 
Now, Marinelli awarded a penalty for a foul on Jovic by Audero on the 28, but checked VAR and cancelled it when realizing that Jovic went down like a pussy. <laughs> but yeah, no penalty for Fiorentina and no problem. In the 58th minute, Milinkovic headed in after a Biragi corner and that killed the game at 2-0. Fiorentina get past Sampdoria. Yeah. Now, a win against Sampdoria doesn't mean much this season, but after advancing in the Conference League and winning two on the trot in the league, can we finally start seeing some form by Fiorentina? Um, I think right now Stankovic is trying to figure things out. You know, you look at his formation and his personnel that he's choosing every week. It's different. It's kind of like when Motta took over at Bologna and he just kept playing different guys. We saw Montevago up front, the 19-year-old mm. striker. You know, we didn't see um, Gabbiadini on the wing this time. Yeah, it's you know true, what I mean? It, it, but I, I asked, I asked, can we start seeing some form by Fiorentina, not oh, by Sampdoria? Oh, sorry. Shit, they sorry. advanced in the Conference League. They have two wins on the trot now. What do you think? Yes, um, everyone on this Fiorentina side is improving. Everyone, including Jovic, Ikona, as we mentioned. Kwame has proven to be extremely dangerous. Biragi can be a weapon on the far side. They have options in midfield. Um, you know, their centre-backs, if, if they play a four at the back, it's, it's not too bad, their centre-back depth. Milinkovic, Komatina, Skwarta and Igor, if they all stay healthy. You know, but I think even like out wide, Saponara is finding his form as well. You know, it's not it's not looking bad at all for for Fiorentina, and I do think that they can go on a little bit of a push now. Yeah, I think I think so. I think so. Obviously, depending on their run-ups coming through, I don't think they have many players that will be featuring in the World Cup that will mm. do them quite good. I mean, probably Jovic, Ikone, and not too many more after that. Um, Milenkovic. Milenkovic. But yeah, hopefully we can start seeing Fiorentina turning things around because I'm fed up of watching them wearing the full Fiorentina tracksuit and <coughs> absolutely, they do absolutely nothing. Um, but you mentioned Sampdoria. Now they've yes. had quite a tough run in since getting their first and only win of the season against Cremonese. They faced Inter and Fiorentina. But have you noticed any differences in their play style and, and everything since employing Stankovic? Um... It's a mess, bro. It's a yeah. mess, quite frankly. They don't look good at all. They don't look organized. Um, the, again, the personnel aren't consistent. It seems very clumsy at times. Mm. Um, you know, they conceded a goal this game four minutes into the game. And then Fiorentina mm. just kind of put their foot off the gas. You can see Sampdoria attempted to take a few shots, but not really threatening at I any mean, point. They they did employ an absolute meathead to try turn their season around. I mean, Stankovic is good at... I'm sure he's a great motivator. But I mean, you look at Sampdoria, their shape and everything throughout the match is absolutely abysmal. There's no fucking sense of build-up play. Nothing of the sort. They're... They're really shit, man. They are really shit. They're season, really fucking true. shit. And they've been on the down for a while and I feel like they might be in trouble now. Mm. Um, Stankovic is a coach who has some some experience in, uh, under his belt. He was the assistant manager at Udinese. He was the coach of Red Star Belgrade from 2019 to 2022. Um, and now he's just taken the job at Sampdoria, but he did bits with Red Star Belgrade. Safe to say that this is his greatest um, challenge so far. 
Mm. And we'll see what he can do, especially with, with the January market approaching. Maybe he pushes to get a few signings that's, that fit his system well. Mm. You know, remember that there's also Sabiri missing right now, their most creative outlet. Mm-hmm. So uh, maybe they will improve when, when everyone's back. Uh-huh. Now, this was uh, one of those shots in the dark. Sometimes you need to take a bit of a risk with their ma- with management. Like, they could have gone for Ranieri. They could have gone for all these kind of experienced area managers. But they wanted, like, you know, Zidane won three Champions Leagues in a row with being assistant manager of Carlo Ancelotti at Real. They called mm-hmm. him up and he did what he did. Pep Guardiola, the same. You know, we, we do see this a lot. But... When it comes to experience, because you mentioned experience, having been the assistant coach at Odinese and being the coach of Red Star Belgrade in Serbia might be enough experience for playing in Serbia. For being in Serie A with a struggling Sampdoria side, it's a massive, massive risk. And Mm -hmm. so far, sure, he's trying out everyone, he's trying different formations, he started at five at the back, trying to neutralize some of the pressure that they've been absorbing. But it's not looking good. It's not looking no, good under him. Not. And they look like a mess, man. They like an absolute mess. Right mess. Now, true. Um, we'll see if they manage to turn that round, bro, as the season progresses. Yeah. Well, they're in 19th, just on six points in 13 matches, whilst Fiorentina in 11th on 16 points, just one point behind Salernitana and Torino. The next game we're going to be covering is Empoli 1, Sassuolo 0. Empoli and Sassuolo have actually never drawn a Serie A match, bro. And they've Ooh. played 11 games. Um, the Nerovere, they have won six times and the Tuscans five times. Okay. Empoli have won four of their six say, uh, home games against Sassuolo in the stadium. Um, they've lost twice. The previous one, however, was won by Sassuolo. 5-1 mm. in January 2022. Oh, well. <laughs> no. Five goals. Yeah. Um, Dionisi was the manager of Empoli also during the 2020-2021 Man, uh-huh. season. Of course, in Serie B, when they were promoted to Serie A. And another fun fact was that Destro has found the net in his last two games against Sassuolo in Serie A. Mm. Before this game, at least. Um, but he fell injured this game seven minutes into the game. <laughs> yeah. It was a guaranteed goal, almost. Exactly. So they must have been pretty relieved about yeah. that. Um, Empoli lined up with Vicario in goal, Ebuehi out wide with Parisi on the other side, and Luperto and Ismaili as the centre-back duo. The midfield trident was Bandinelli, Marin, and Fazzini with Baldanzi as the trequartista and a striking partnership of Destro and Satriano. Consigli was in goal for Sassuolo. Um, they played the back four of Rogerio, Ferrari, Erlich, and Tolian with a midfield three of Thordsvet, Lopez, and Fratesi. Youngster D'Andrea on the right, Traore on the left with Pinamonti as the striker. Now, there was a slow start to this game. The first real chance came through Lammers in the 29th minute. He shot the ball wide. Of course, in the 33rd minute, Ismaili got the ball stuck between his body and his extended arm in the box for a solid two Uh. seconds, bro. Um, In my opinion, it was bizarre that it wasn't checked. I think it's quite clear, to be honest, that it should have been a penalty. Um, Mm. He held the ball like a rugby ball. it's, It's... Crazy, like, yeah. it, like if that's not blatant, then to be honest, I'm not sure what is. Exactly, because if you literally hold on to the ball, yeah, then you clearly use your use your arms, man. To Honestly, your favor. you can count two seconds with the ball between his <laughs> arm and his body, like crazy, man. 
Yeah, so that was the, the 33rd minute. Of course, Sassuolo must have felt a little bit robbed. And then the goal eventually came for Empoli in the 64th minute when Satriano played the ball to Baldanzi, who took a touch with his right and finished with his left. Amazing clean, goal by clean. the by the 19-year-old Gem. This is his second goal of the season. Um, he's an Empoli youth product. Yeah, you, you like him. You have him on Fanta. Yes, well. and he, ah, he scored against me. In, on both of them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. It was my first sub on both and he actually mm. came on. Um, in the 89th minute, um, Bayrami waited for Lammers to make a run in behind. He released it perfectly between Lammers and the post, but Lammers was late to it. Mm. Um, he wasn't on the same page. To be honest, I feel like Lammers could have probably done better there and they would have killed the game. Mm-hmm. Sassuolo had an opportunity to equalize in the last minute uh, through a header on a set piece, but they skied it. Um, disappointing by Sassuolo, they ain't really looked to threaten towards the end of the game. Empoli just fucking outplayed them, man. They outplayed them. The penalty, granted, would have changed the game. Uh huh. Uh-huh. That, that would have changed the game pretty significantly. But Empoli have shown us some very good performances, man. I know they haven't racked up too many wins and gotten too many points yet this season. Um, but they do look like a very organized side. Um, mm. I love the way they build play. From not, not not necessarily from the back, but the way they build their attacks, it's yeah. very attractive to watch, and they're capable of playing the ball around in their own half pretty comfortably. But interestingly enough, you never really see them score more than one goal. Aha, eh? aha. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, probably their best forward would be Destro, yeah. and he is nearing a certain stage in his career where he's slowing down slightly. Yeah. Um, last season was a bit of a different story. He was with Genoa. He was all hyped up. Uh-huh. Now, to be honest, we're seeing age catching up with him a little bit. He still has that class and that grace about him that we all enjoy mm-hmm. very much. Um, but uh, physically, I don't think he's the same strike he's been. So it's no wonder that Empoli are going to struggle to get goals. It's true. He's the guy they're relying and on. And Satriano and Lammers are on the opposite end of the spectrum when they're on the come up, basically. Exactly. That's something I, I had said about Milan before Origi was signed. I had mm. said that it's either one end of the spectrum where you have Giroud and Zlatan, or it's the other end of the spectrum where you have the... Pelé, Greece, the Lazetic, so on and so forth. Yeah. I also liked Marin's performance. Again, man, he's he's been playing really well. He's solid, man, Marin. And they have, of course, um, I believe it was Bandinelli who played in midfield this game. He's very good. Marin, apart from like Vicario and maybe a couple of their defenders, is probably the man that has racked up the most minutes for Empoli this mm-hmm. season. He's like the first name on their team sheet. True, man. That's pretty crazy. Um, they also have Fazzini in the midfield. That's another 19-year-old man. They're a really young team, mm. you know. Mm. So good job. Um, I feel like they beat Sassuolo by playing Sassuolo's game. That's true. That's true. Sassuolo. It's tough to tell what's kind of up with them and why they're so on and off. Because it's that. It's I can't put my finger on it. Because one day their issues are their strengths and another mm. day their strengths are their issues. <laughs> it's true. And I can't quite put my finger on well, it. Well, the defence certainly um, uh-huh. isn't too standard. Oh, you know? that, like, granted, that, it's that's improved. consistent. Yeah, it's improved this season. Um, and we thought, we thought it was Kyrgyz. Mm-hmm. Well, it was. It was, it was also. <laughs> now, now it's Ferrari. <laughs> that's true. That's true. But, but that's the thing. I mean, the, the Italian game and the game in general is always evolving. And even in Serie A, we're starting to see a little bit more pace up front, mm-hmm. like and, and teams kind of coming to terms with how they should play in European competition, so upping their mm-hmm. pace, so on and so forth. So if, you, if you're a slightly slower defender, then you might struggle. Before, yes, you would see like the Bonucci's having no problem. Nowadays, 
you see that kind of a, yeah, a slower the, defenders. The low block isn't as as common. You know what I mean? Exactly. Like even, for example, you look at teams like Bayern Munich. Mm. They buy defenders with offensive attributes because 100%. in their league they're constantly defending on the half. One hundred percent. Even even like Real Madrid, you look at Militao and Rodrigo as well in that system. Yeah, That's true. That's true. Empoli, bro, had fifteen scoring chances this match day, the same as Milan. Oh wow! Uh, okay. It's the most of match day thirteen. This is compared to Sassuolo's six. 14 key passes for Empoli as well, the most of match day 13. Milan were second with 13 as well. So this was a fantastic display by Empoli. Mm-hmm. I mean, you normally see a, a scoreline like this where Empoli beats Sassuolo, like the underdog winning. Um, and, and you think, okay, it must have been kind of like a, a freak thing. Sassuolo must have had loads of chances and they just couldn't score, so on and so mm-hmm. forth. But they were outplayed by, by Empoli. Empoli were very good in this game, very convincing. True. And if they... Can do that more often. (laughs) That would be great. That would be great. Sassuolo sit in 13th with 15 points, while Empoli sit in 14th with 14 points. The next and final game we're going to be covering is Monza 2, Verona 0. Monza ending a three-match losing streak, which came after a three-match winning streak. Verona, well, this loss marked Verona's eighth loss in a row now. (laughs) With their only win this season coming against Sampdoria. So, struggling to say the least, but they're playing Monza and you think, okay, this is a this is a challenge we're up for. Yeah. Well, Hellas had Davidovic, Ceccherini, and he and all suspended, plus Coppola, Piccoli, Verdi, Illic, and Hrustic injured. So, <laughs> to be honest, maybe they weren't up for it that yeah. much. I mean, they had Tamez playing at the back. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. For Monza, it was a 3-4-2-1 with Di Gregorio on goal and the back line of Itzo, Calderola and Marlon. Augusto and Churia on the wings with Sensi and Rovella on the double pivot. Caprari and Pessina playing just behind Mota. Whereas for Verona, it was also a 3-4-2-1 with Montepo on goal and the back line of Tamez, Magnani and Gunter. Faroni on one wing, Lazovic on the other with Veloso and Hongla in midfield. Calon and De Pauli just behind Henri. So... Monza almost got a goal in the opening 20 seconds after a Tamez error, but Caprari failed to capitalize from that. Good to see Tamez got a good start to his career mm-hmm. as a central defender. Um, Magnani got sent off in the 27th after attempting to clear the ball as the last man, missing it and taking out Mari in the process. Um, I have to say it was quite unlucky. The ref originally awarded a yellow, but then checked VAR and reverted to a red card. He literally totally went for the ball, missed it, and ended up taking Mari. Mari would have been clean through, kind of on the wing, but he would have been in behind the defense. So, yeah, red card to Magnani. Monzam finally found the breakthrough in the 68th, when Churia burst down the right and pulled back from the byline to Carlos Augusto to swing in from 12 yards out. Amazing goal. Amazing goal. Carlos Augusto. Augusto Augusto Carlos. Carlos, Roberto Roberto Carlos. Carlos. Genius. In the 90th minute, Colpani slotted into the near-bottom corner after some brilliant hold-up play and layoff by the in-form Petania. Oh, yes. Another one of my fantasy against you, my brother. There you go, man. Who did I have? What did anyone do against you? I think... No I one, don't think bro. you got a single goal, brother. No, no. Not a single goal, not a single assist. No clean sheet by Tata. Thank you very much. <laughs> so... Monza had 75% ball possession. Monza also had Mm. the most successful passes of this match day with 552. 
They had the third most goal opportunities with 11. They had the fifth most shots with 15. And they were first in possession with 40 full minutes of possession going to Monza. Now, sure, Verona are deflated. Sure, they're on bad form. I don't think if it were, if it, I think this happened because of the red card. Mm-hmm. No, basically. I mean, yes, yeah. But it's a whole problem. You know, they get too many reds. Yeah. The discipline's a problem. The team's already very thin. Um, the owners don't invest. They're, they're in trouble, no. Verona. No. And I mean, yeah, they're struggling. They're down in last place. And mm. the, to see a team like Monza, who are still very new to Serie A, they've got a bunch of new guys still gelling together. They're on their second manager already. And they managed to... Win so Not only win 2-0, but the manner in which they won 2-0. Because it might have been, I might have almost enjoyed 45% ball possession, had five shots and lost 4-0, mm-hmm. you know? Because I yeah. would have seen some spirit, I would have seen something clicking, something happening. Yeah. But in this case, they just got absolutely dominated. And what a performance by Monza to capitalize on that. It took till the 68. But it was just convincing, man. It's true, man. They played really well. Um, and the stats show it, you know. Yeah. I mean, they're everywhere. They're ever present in every area of the stats. Exactly. Match day 13. The man behind that, brother, well, the, most of it at least, is Rovella. Yes, man. And he had an absolute midfield masterclass in this game. Um, he created the most chances of this match day with five. And he had the most forward passes with 51 this guy played the ball forward 51 times wow. against Verona, just looking to turn defense into attack con- consistently. And he's constantly. developing nicely. I mean, I like the Madden Genoa already. Now he's 20 years old, he's playing for Monza, and he's playing with some authority. I think that Juve have some serious players in the midfield. Huh? 100%. And they're all. Novella, Miretti, saying earlier, yeah. man, the young talent. And, and not to mention Locatelli, for example, Locatelli, as well, who's true. also a great midfielder, especially when he has the right partner alongside him. But back to Rovella, um, Juve have loaned him out wisely. I mean, sure, you could say that they could use him this year, but it seems like um, now we're a bit optimistic on Juve mm-hmm. because they, they just beat Inter and their young players are performing well. So sure, they could use him. And their but midfielders are coming back from injury yeah. slowly, slowly. So, exactly. Uh, yeah. So rather than playing him on the off chance that he plays this season, they loaned him out again. And let me tell you what, man, he's going to go back to Juve as a great midfielder. He had a great season last season at Genoa. He's having a great season this season again with Monza. He was a really nice coup. So they signed all these Pessinas, Mm. Capraris, Petanias, Sensi, so on and so forth. Then they're like, okay, someone to gel it all together now. And they brought in Rovella and he's been a a masterclass of a signing for them. Really good, honestly. Um... The thing is, I, I'm not quite sure I agree that he'll go back to Juve as a great player. I think he'll go back to Juve as a, as a player with, say, with two years of say, uh, experience with a lot to prove and a lot of pressure on his shoulders and a lot of competition at all as well. Like, I don't think he'll just walk into that Juve team by any means. No, uh, no, no, no. He'll, he'll need to work his way up the ranks at Juve, mm-hmm. but he's definitely going to be better off giving it a shot now than he was this season and the season before Yes, that. definitely. That's, that's he's, grown, he's, he's grown a lot and he's finally, like, he has minutes. He knows how it feels to play against Milan. He knows what it feels like to play against Inter, so on and so forth. True. But yeah, that's the, that's the game for you guys. I mean, it was clear Monza domination. Um, Verona got that early red card in the 27th and uh, they couldn't recover from it and I mean it was some task to to stop a Monza in this form um, 
That leaves Monza in 15th place on 13 points. Still a lot of work to do for them in 15th place, but they'll be happy to not be battling relegation at the moment. Whereas Verona, on the other hand, 13 matches, 5 points. 8 matches in a row lost. So, yeah. serious danger for them. Thank you very much, guys. That's the episode, huh? Now yeah. I need to rush, pack. Because I need to be up at 6.30am to travel. Damn, you're going to shower in the morning? Yes, eh? Shower before I fly. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I'll be minging after it, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, we lie here. Exactly. Um, yep, give us a follow everywhere, guys. Give us a follow on Instagram. Give us a follow on TikTok, on Twitter. We're quite fun over there, I promise. You'll see we have some decent content. Rate us five stars wherever you're listening. If you like our shit, if you don't, avoid rating, please. I guess. <laughs> Just leave us, send us a really bad DM. We won't expose you. And I think we'll just take it. Exactly. And, and let me tell you what, we'll take your comments on board. Yeah. <laughs> we'll see you guys next week where we'll cover two match days in a row. Love you all and take care. Bye-bye.